Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined beyond the mic star line by Josh Campbell, author of the book Crossfire Hurricane. Welcome, Josh. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Let's go beyond the mic. Growing up in Texas, how did your parents impact your choice of career? Well, in a, in a major way, uh, both were involved in some form of public service. Uh, my dad was uh, formerly in the military. My mom was a nurse and you know, served as a first responder. Uh, and so all of my siblings and I, we knew that public service would be part of our future in some way. Uh, and for me, once I you know, got to college, um, and this was right after the 9-11 attacks, I was at UT Austin, uh, and I decided then that you know, that would be the public service career that I would choose would be something in law enforcement and the FBI. And so I worked to orient you know, everything about my college experience toward joining, joining the FBI and was fortunate after college to, to be hired. You went to the University of Texas, where you majored in government. You were an officer in the United States Naval Reserve. How did these things help influence you becoming a member of the FBI? Well, in a big way, I mean, you know, the motto there is what starts there changes the world. Um, and, you know, what was really fascinating about the, the government program, and you know, that was their version of, of political science, uh, is you really had access to, to faculty members uh, that had you know, brought to the table just such great expertise, uh, practitioners themselves in various different fields. Uh, so I was able to, to talk to people who had been, you know, on the front lines, uh, working national security issues, you know, around the world. Um, which they were great county boards, they were great mentors, um, and then obviously once you know one is on the cusp of graduating and, and then going out into the world, you're really leaning on your mentors to help you uh, try to figure out what, what career is best, uh, and they just had such a great program there, such great resources available to students. You received four FBI Combat Theater Awards for your work embedded with United States Military Special Operations. Being in the military, what did your dad think about these? Uh well, he was very proud, and, you know, what's interesting is I come from an Army family, uh, so he almost disowned me when I went Navy, <laughs> but obviously very, you know, very proud father um, and, and proud, you know, other family members as well. Um, again, you know, kind of goes back to that, that public service aspect. When I was uh, in the FBI, I was kind of the, uh, a dual public servant, I guess, uh, you know, serving both in law enforcement and then in the military reserves. Uh, and then thankfully, even now in his new career in journalism, I can continue uh, you know, to, to serve the country uh, through military service, which I think is very important. Him in the Army, you in the Navy. Army-Navy game, is it a big fight? You guys are imposing colors? Is there, you know, some trash talking? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of come together uh, in more of a diplomatic. It used to be a little more aggressive <laughs> back in the day, but I've learned that, you know, in later years, we just enjoy kind of having everyone together, uh, the company, a family. But that's not to say that we're not on opposing sides. <laughs> What made the FBI such an intriguing opportunity for you? Well, you know, it was the mission, first and foremost. I mean, this is an agency that their, their sole mission is to protect the American people and to uphold the Constitution. I mean, that's it. And you compare the FBI to other entities, uh, you know, like the military or, you know, any other national security agency, and, you know, they don't have satellites or aircraft carriers or, you know, any of these, you know, fancy gadgets. It, it comes down to people. Uh, the, the, these amazing public servants who go out, uh, you know, pound the pavement to, you know, investigate crime, who ask tough questions, and, and try to help people. Uh, and so that was something that was fascinating to be a part of, is to see this culture. And, you know, every, every place where people work, you often hear they say, well, you know, we're different. Um, the FBI is, is, is very much different in the sense that, again, you have this incredible caliber of people 
coming together to, to you know, protect the country. And what's so fascinating is that the FBI is in every community in the country. I mean, when I, you know, served in the director's office, you know, I traveled the country uh, visiting almost all the field offices, you know, some 56 cities, uh, and you really see the FBI touching different places and, you know, trying to, uh, you know, this, uh, ensure that there's a security blanket around the country so that when there are people out there who are, you know, preying on the innocent, that you have, you know, good people uh, that step up and, you know, are willing to investigate and bring bring criminals to justice. On your first day of the FBI Academy, March 16, 2008, 49 young professionals started. How many finished and how many graduated? Uh, so 49, gra- uh, 48 graduated, I'm sorry. And then so one person decided to take another position inside the FBI, uh, not the agent route, but, um, yeah, we, we had everyone remain on board uh, which is interesting because you often hear that, you know, these, these rigorous programs like the FBI Academy at Quantico, you know, is trying to weed people out. Uh, and that's true. But also, you know, on the front end, the FBI is doing such work uh, initially to screen people and to ensure that, you know, the people that they're bringing on board uh, fit the bill, at least in their view. And I was fortunate enough, you know, in our class, like I mentioned, to, to have a really, really great crew and everyone uh, made it through in, in some way uh, and continued, you know, serving the FBI. Josh Campbell, author of the book Crossfire Hurricane, joins us beyond the mic. In this book, you try to get the reader to understand the difficult position the FBI has been under these last three years. No, exactly. And that's the goal is to bring you inside this agency, this embattled agency that has been thrust into the middle of you know political turmoil in a way that the agency has never seen. I mean, you know, I talk to people uh, all the time inside the FBI, you know, friends and now obviously covering the agency as a journalist. And, you know, they continue, the theme I see, I see is they continue to get asked, you know, what happened to your agency, um, which, you know, puts the FBI in a delight that they've never been in. Again, you know, they've, they've, they've always made mistakes in the past. I mean, they're human beings. And, you know, as I mentioned in the book, when they make mistakes, they have to be held accountable. Uh, but we're in this really new, different era where, you know, they are being, this agency has been attacked for, as I describe it, you know, purely political reasons. Uh, this campaign of attack to undermine the credibility of the FBI and the Justice Department, initially because of the Russia investigation, and I think the president and his allies were uh, really afraid of where that investigation was headed, and so they engaged in this political campaign to try to, you know, discredit an entire agency, and now here we are, you know, sitting on, on uh, you know, talking about another scandal that's playing out, uh, you know, involving Ukraine and this whistleblower. And what's so fascinating is that, you know, my, my book is essentially uh, the roadmap to the impeachment inquiry that we're in right now, because we've seen the same tactics used against Mueller now used as the president and his allies try to, you know, ensure political survival following this latest scam, uh, scandal. You've had chance meetings of employees outside the FBI, one of them who said, quote, the FBI has been here for 100 years. He said, times are tough, but you have to ignore it all. We'll still be here tomorrow, unquote. How does that make you feel? Well, you know, it's interesting. In, in, in Crossfire Hurricane, I, I talk about that uh, encounter with that one employee. Um, and, you know, I, 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 what I write is that, you know, no disrespect to him, but I think he's only half right. Now, it's true that, again, you have this agency, the FBI, America's premier law enforcement agency, that has just been absorbing all of these blows. I mean, just, you know, blow after blow of political attacks. Uh, you know, most of them, I think, the overwhelming majority of them, unfair. Um, you know, obviously, there are people that made mistakes and, and they're being held accountable. Uh, but, but in the main, I mean, the, the, what you're hearing about this agency is simply not true. 
And so, you know, this one person, as you, as you just read there, uh, who, you know, I'd asked kind of what his thoughts were after this, uh, after the Department of Justice came out with an Inspector General's report, and he said exactly what you just said, that, look, you know, we're going to be here tomorrow. We just have to ignore the critics. Um, and I say he's only half right because it's true the FBI will be here tomorrow. It's not going anywhere. Uh, but the thrust of my book, the main theme, is that the FBI has to maintain public confidence in order to be successful. And, you know, when that FBI agent knocks on someone's door and needs help, the willingness of the person on the other side of the door to help is directly correlated with their view of the FBI. Are they trustworthy? Are they honest? When you look at courtrooms, right, where cases are presented, if members of the jury walk into the jury box thinking that the FBI is somehow this corrupt entity that they've heard about from politicians, you know, when that agent rises to testify, that agent might not be believed based on this view. So I think, you know, the FBI cannot just ignore the critics. It has to correct the record whenever it's being lied about to the American people. Since the FBI is apolitical and admittedly has gone through many changes over these years, why leave when the times got rough? Would it have been easier to fight internally than externally? No, I don't think so, because I think it, I think that would have played into the "Quote unquote deep state narrative, right? So the the the, the uh, issue that I faced was: look, uh, this is back in 2017. The president and his allies are just really trying to destroy the confidence and, and credibility of this institution. But my colleagues and I looked around, and people in leadership at the Justice Department were silent. The Attorney General, the Deputy Attorney General, they weren't saying anything because I most of us uh, thought that they were probably you know afraid that they would get fired. Uh, but as a leader, you have to be willing to step up to defend your people. And, you know, there was a, just you know, a sense of cowardice, you know, among the leadership that they weren't speaking up. And so I just made that decision that, look, this is an organization that I love. I know it's being lied about. And I know that no one in, in our leadership is stepping up to describe, you know, the, the accurate FBI to the American people. So I made that decision to step out uh, to be able to explain to the American people what's politics, what's reality. Uh, but I don't, I don't consider that, um, you know, uh, hypocritical because, again, had I done the other thing, had I remained in the FBI and, you know, tried to criticize the administration or, you know, uh, talk to the press or, you know, anything like that, um, I would have fallen into this description of this quote-unquote deep state, which I don't think exists. So I think the only appropriate thing to do uh, was to do, you know, what I'm doing now, and that's to, you know, publicly help the American people explain when they're being manipulated. What pressures did you feel as special assistant to the FBI director? Well, you know, working for Jim, Jim Comey during two incredibly high-profile investigations, I mean, you go back in time, there was the Hillary Clinton case, and then shortly after that, uh, the Russia investigation. I mean, the FBI knew, uh, you know, and our leadership team knew that, that we were under the microscope, uh, again, because we were in a place that, that we had never been, where you have one candidate for office who is now under investigation, and then members of the other the opponents' campaign who are also in, un, under investigation. I mean, think about that. If you're inside the FBI and, and staring at those facts, I mean, it was just as, as insane as it, as I describe it. Um, you know, to, to realize that wow, you know, regardless of what we decide with these cases, half the American people are going to be angry. Um, but you know, and so you talk about the pressures. I mean, that was constantly you know weighing over our, you know folks' shoulders. That look. You know, this, these are high-profile cases, the, 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 and the results of which may impact the course of history. I mean, we're talking about whoever will be the most powerful person in the world. And so just incredible pressure. Um, but I can say that, you know, having served alongside some of, these, some of the best you know, people on the planet who, you know, of utmost integrity, 
you know, the folks navigated these issues, I think, in a way that tried to choose the least worst option, you know, at certain turns. Uh, obviously, people like Comey and others, you know, will be, um, their actions will be debated for time immemorial. Um, but again, taking you back inside, and this is what I try to do in the book, bring you in the room during these tough decisions. And so readers can see for themselves just how great the pressure was. Crossfire Hurricane is a book. Josh Campbell is the author. He joins us beyond the mic. You wrote in the book about a meeting of a source of a high-value terrorist in the Philippines. When you ask him, why did he talk to you? He said, quote, you are the FBI. Everybody knows you can trust the FBI, unquote. How has your perception of the FBI changed in the years since you've left? Well, I know the heart and soul of the organization. So, the the you know, in the main, nothing has changed about my view of this agency. Uh, I do fear, and this is one, you know, we're now again in this time period that we've never seen as a country. I do fear that leadership inside the FBI may decide to do the easy thing, and that is just to remain quiet and to ignore, you know, all the lies being told about the agency. Uh, so the FBI that I know is still a great institution. I think it's yet to be seen whether the people that are in power will be willing to step up again and defend their people against these lies, uh, because I think public safety is, is at stake if the public actually begins to believe the lies that are told about this agency. Time's running out, so it's time for the Rocking Eight. First thing that comes to your mind, no pressure. Uh, my dog, who's laying right at my feet. <laughs> Favorite place in Texas to relax? Oh, uh, Lake Travis, Austin. Favorite music to listen to? Uh, it's a mix. Um, right now, I kind of go through phases, but I'm in an alternative uh, fix right now. That'll probably change in a week. Most underappreciated place to visit in Washington, D.C.? Oh, I think um, oh, that's a great question. I think the World War One Memorial. Uh, you know, it's, it's being revamped. There's, there's another one that, that's in the works. Uh, but for those who visit D.C., it's just off the mall. Uh, I don't think a lot of people go to that, but obviously that was an impactful time, you know, in world history. Favorite place to eat in the Hill Country? Oh, um, Salt Lake. <laughs> what dog do you own, and what was the last toy you bought him? Uh, the dog is a Welsh Corgi. Uh, he's about two feet tall, but his personality is about ten feet tall. Uh, the last toy I got him was uh, for Halloween, a, a pumpkin chew toy. If you could change one mistake or one thing from your life, which would it be? Oh, I mean, I'm sure there have been many. Um, I don't know. You know, it's interesting now, like like looking back, especially when, you know, I was in the, in the throes of this FBI career, you know, which I write about. Uh, it, it's, so, it's so easy to be career-driven that you're just going, going, going without, you know, realizing that you need to make time for family and friends, Um and so, yeah, if I, that's, that's one thing I would, I would always do, and I try to do better now, is not to be so career-consumed uh, that you forget to spend time with you know, the people that mean the most to you. If you could reassure citizens of the USA about one thing concerning the FBI, what would it be? It's just the, the, the confidence that is being lost, I think, is misplaced. I mean, I, I want the American people to understand, and I write about in the book, that, again, this is an organization of patriots who could be doing anything else other than what they're doing and probably making a lot more money doing it. Uh, but the orientation of these people is to protecting this country, uh, to ensuring the safety of everyone so that you can go about your life. And so what I want people to understand is when you hear, uh, you know, the negative barbs, you know, that, that the FBI has, has come its way, um, I want you to understand what politics and, and, you know, discern that from reality. I think it's going to get worse in 2020. I mean, the president has already said 
that the FBI and the Department of Justice have robbed him of the first three years of his presidency. Uh, so I think that will be a key campaign platform is to try to describe him as a victim of these villains, you know, these deep staters. And I just want the American people to understand that so much of that is just purely politics. Should Texas and Texas A&M renew their football rivalry? Absolutely. Without question. Those are always some of the best weekends. So when, when that went away, that was, uh, that was disheartening. Crossfire Hurricane is the book. Josh Campbell, the author. We could talk to you for uh, hours and hours, but we've just run out of time. Thanks so much for joining us today, Josh. Most definitely. Such a pleasure to be with you and your listeners. I really appreciate it. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic.